Interaction, I'll go away because you start taking the medicine. It is episode 18 of the Death Hall Podcast. How's it going, Ed? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good. And for the first time, I'm actually using a real microphone. I finally went and bought myself a nice USB Blue Yeti microphone. It's this big, humongous phallic thing that's making me feel quite inferior. And it's sitting on my desk here in my basement mocking me while we record. You should feel that way. Yeah, evidently. So uh, once again, thank you everybody for coming online. I see we have a bunch of people hanging out in the IRC channel and hopefully millions around the world listening on the stream. Millions. Uh, And before we uh, get started, I want to say, as always, thank you very much to our awesome sponsors at Engine Yard, Trailblazers, and Platform as a Service. If you do Ruby shit, you need to talk to them. Also, if you do PHP stuff, you need to talk to the fine folks at Orchestra. Um, I had the fun experience of watching their system totally break when Daniel Cousineau and I did our little stupid uh, random um, link shortener redirector project that we called Foosh. How'd you break it? Oh, well, and when we tried to push things live, it kept breaking everything. Uh, and the thing nice. would go down, and, they, and Davy Shafiq, who was in the same hack, uh, hackathon room with us, would uh, complain that we knocked something else out. So, whatever. Um, so, and it's thanks to their generosity by Sponsors Podcast that I was able to buy myself this awesome new microphone. Yeah, that is awesome. So, let's get started. So, the, the only one topic that we had that I wanted to talk about was uh, a nerd fight I got into on Twitter with a bunch of people about the concept of pull requests welcome. So, oh, yes. Ed, Ed, as someone who ran a uh, quite successful open source project in SPAS, um, you've certainly had to deal with people asking you to do things. Uh, and some of them getting right. quite rude and demanding that you do things saying, I want you to change this in your project, change that in your project. And uh-huh. uh, I know that that before we get going any further, I understand that when you do one of these um, awesome things that you don't really have to, uh, you know, you don't owe anybody anything. So, right. you know, you're doing this thing in your own time because you want to do it. But at the same time, uh, I think you have respons- a responsibility to not be a total dickbag about it as well. Sort so, of, yeah. So I think that, I understand that GitHub has kind of made it easier for people to create these projects and distribute changes and accept changes back. But I think too often people use pull requests welcome as a typical passive aggressive way to stifle dissent. And I think really, and I said this on Twitter, that pull request welcome is the new fuck you asshole, fix it yourself. So um, what are your thoughts on that, Ed? Yeah, so I worked on Spaz and uh, yes, that was something that, you know, you definitely have a lot of uh, people who would ask you about doing stuff. And most of the time, like, it wasn't too terrible. But so with Spaz, it was a little different than some cases because Spaz was really a product that was oriented, it was aimed at end users. Um, and so as a consequence, that was uh that was a uh like that that changed that situation a little bit because I could say that, but the vast majority of people who used it didn't know how to uh would would have no ability to fix stuff um but there were definitely times when I had developer folks who would say, "You know it'd be nice to do you should do this and I'd say well i will i that i'll that's fine. I'll think about that. But um, it's I. I usually was uh, tried to say it like it's more likely to get done if you do it yourself, right? Um, 
And uh, I, so I think in my case, I tried to not use that as a crutch, whereas basically like, uh, well, if you're serious about it, do it. And if you're not serious, that you know, if you don't do it, that means you're not serious. I won't say that every single time I ever that ever came up, I was absolutely uh, not just telling people to guess, basically go fuck themselves when I said, uh, you know, patches welcome. But uh, that was uh, sometimes the case. Um, and I tried not to fall back to that. I tried to make a legitimate where. You know, if somebody actually did a patch, I would certainly consider. And there, I, I refused very few patches, so it was not the case. Like I was getting tons. Um, but I, I mean, the, the, there's there's things that even if you might be capable of of like fixing something or uh, you know making making a patch or something, sometimes it's just not uh it's something you really have time for or you don't care that much about it right you know um so i uh, i think it's i think sometimes it's 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 okay to like make a request and it not be something where it's like i feel so absolutely strongly about that that i'm going to dive into your source code and i'm gonna you know whip up a patch for it and all that stuff because that's the relationship between uh uh, that you have as a user of software, it's very different than you have as a developer of that software. And there's a, it, it's a that's a pretty it's a pretty uh, long bridge to, to cross, if you know what I mean. I mean to go be, go from between those two things, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, like one of the things that I was talking about when I got into this argument and with Liz Naramore, God bless her, is that God bless her is um and thank you for giving us some money, Liz. Is yep. that uh it's I get this all the time. My stance is not that I don't think people should um, accept pull requests and that we on a project, you should say, I'm not going to accept any. My issue is when it's not being used the proper way. The reason for a pull request is that you have made a change to somebody's software and or project or whatever it happens to be. And then you do a pull request and then whoever is the maintainer of the, of the master repo for that thing, and then can take a look at it and decide whether they want to uh, incorporate it or not. What I think happens a lot, and probably more than people want to admit, is that pull request welcome is used um, as a passive-aggressive way to uh, end discussion of something. And it's all thing. Well, if you want to change it, change it yourself. So people, so so people, uh, most people are not as confrontational as I am. So um, they are. Yeah, I know there's a big shock, and uh, they're far more likely to want to. Uh, kind of try to say in a nice way, I, I don't want to do this. I, I, I don't want to do this thing for whatever reason. I don't have time. I'm not really interested. I don't view that uh, bit of functionality that you're requesting to be worth my time. So if you want to do it, go ahead. So, I mean, I always want to say to people, especially for, because I, I have a project that I created a, a long time ago, just as an experiment, where I created a, uh, a template loader for Django that allowed people to use Haml. So if you've ever done any Rails stuff, you're probably familiar with Haml. So I said, oh, let's see if I can get this Haml library to work okay with Django templates. And I hacked it together and boom, you could use Haml inside um, Django templates. And that was cool. And I was like, okay, well, I'm done with that and kind of wiped my hands up and said, okay, and I put it up on GitHub. And now someone else, because the maintainer who does uh, the Haml library for Python 
didn't want to do it anymore. Some other people stepped in, stepped up and said, hey, we can keep going. And hey, let's use this Jamal thing. So now that Django people can use it. So it's gone off on its merry way. And I kind of feel, I think I tweeted about it. I kind of feel like a proud uncle saying, right. oh, hey, somebody's taken this thing that I created and they've created a clone of it and, and they've gone off. And I still get um, emails about the issues because they, all the issues and stuff, they end up going through my uh, master repo, I guess, because it's a clone of it. So I get to see all of them. And it's just kind of right. neat. And in that case, I was like, every time, literally every time someone submitted a pull request to my project, and I looked at it real mm-hmm. quick, and I said, yeah, that's cool. Boom, merch. And that was it. I, I, I didn't. Yeah. And I think that's the proper way to handle pull requests. But And it's also, I think it's totally okay, too, that if someone submits a pull request, you go, no, I don't like that, and you reject it. Or if you're feeling particularly generous, you also provide some feedback as to why you rejected it. Right. But at the now, same you said, but, you, you said you felt like a proud uncle. Yeah. Weren't, weren't you more like a proud uncle who donated his sperm so his sister-in-law could get artificially inseminated? Well, if the sister-in-law is hot enough, then that might be okay. Yeah, but you don't. <laughs> but you don't get to pick what the sister-in-law there's, is. Well, there's no, it's artificial. Your brother is not okay with that. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, can we move on? Anyway. Yeah, um, let's just move on. Yeah, let's just move on. Anyway, that please continue. really weird. So I, so I really think that it's just about, I mean, Using pull requests welcome as a way to stifle debate about a topic I think is just the asshole thing. And I just I think I think people can't look at it and say by submitting by by telling people that it's cool, because I don't think it is. Uh yeah, right. I, I like you know, while you were talking about this, I was thinking about um I was thinking about how often I hear that like from uh core PHP developers and these uh, some of these people are my friends and i'm not you know it's not something i don't i i i don't necessarily think i i don't want to speculate about their reasons for it but i often hear you know if i say i kind of bitch about something in php or i say boy it'd be nice if it do and i and i get i hear well just you know the source code is out there and i'm like but i am wholly incapable of doing that and um that uh that's kind of problematic i i don't i don't necessarily think that that say the examples i can think of are intentionally trying to basically say uh yeah well you do it yourself and see what happens um i don't think it's necessarily intended that way to kind of uh you know pass it off as uh this isn't you know yeah let's see if this guy actually does something but at the same time it's hard because i think i think um you have users who are who might be say smart or capable people might be um but they're not necessarily capable of building from scratch what is you know the software right um and i think php is something where i think the knowledge of of php internals and c development and stuff like that is um, well beyond the uh, capabilities of most PHP people who are even very good at PHP, um, and so as a consequence, uh, I think that I think that's a tough thing. Um, I uh, at the same time, I'm not sure that that you know. And then there, you get into issues of well, that's fine. You could submit a, a patch of PHP, but there's it doesn't mean that anything's actually happening. 
right? Exactly. So, uh, it doesn't mean it gets accepted. It doesn't mean that it actually goes out. It gets all that, right? So, um, and some of the things I talked about, you know, I talked about would be like huge fundamental changes, you know, like I'd like to see where you could assign, uh, you could just arbitrarily like assign functions and to compose objects, you know, in, in, uh, in real time as opposed to uh, not in real time, but um, you could assign a function to a property of an object, which is something that you can't do uh, in PHP uh, because there are, I guess there are two sets. There's the names of properties and there's the names of methods on objects. And uh, so, and somebody will probably correct me on that, but the short version is you can't do it. And that's something I really like to do, but like, Dude, I can't even I can't even do a tiny tiny little thing in PHP like to 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 change PHP. Um, I think that uh, it's very uh, to to do something that would fundamentally change like how objects work in PHP would be a would be a, a pretty serious change and pretty much a non-starter. Unless you're um, already on the core already, right? Yeah. Yeah. IRC Maxwell says, I think the average senior PHP dev could absolutely patch core. It's not that difficult just as over. Well, if your overhead means I have to learn how to program C, um, it may or may not, I may or may not be the average PHP developer, but I am not capable of doing that. Um, and uh, I think I could speak for most PHP devs that I don't think that's, if you know C, yeah, maybe. Uh, but I don't. I, I and so I would have to spend, you know, probably a few months getting uh, comfortable with C uh, and learning a lot of stuff that I've never had to mess with before, memory management, junk like that. Um, so I think that's I think it's uh, realistically well beyond the capabilities of the vast majority of people who work. With and you know, Ed, I really think that a wise man once said, "C is C is for cookie, and that's good enough for me." I love cookies. So I'm intimately familiar with the cookie. And if that's all it stands for, I'm happy with that. So in a roundabout way, yes. So patches welcome or pull requests welcome now with GitHub being the dominant force in uh, open source projects. Come on, bros. You know the difference between a welcoming pull request welcome and a pull request welcome used to stifle dissent and tell people, well, fuck you, go and fix it yourself if you want it done that bad. Right. Um, you know, so I, I, yeah, I, uh, I think there's a difference and, um, I really tried hard to not ever do that sort of second type, but I would say there were probably times I was guilty of it just because I was sick of hearing about stuff. And I probably did that from time to time, but it's really, it's not something that is particularly healthy to do, you know? So it's not very, it's not very nice. <laughs> right. Um, what's nice yeah. got to do with anything. That's what yep. I say, Ed. That's a very good Oh, I think I lost Ed's audio. Hello, Ed. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm still here. I don't know what you're doing. Oh, you're cutting in and out a little bit. Uh, must be something. The must be the packets going through Canada Customs on their way up here. Yeah, that was probably. Uh, you must have triggered some echelon filter or something. Yep. Um, okay, so that's one thing I want to talk about. Then it only took up 15 minutes. Well, we're going to run short. Okay, so the next one is another one uh-huh. I wanted to talk about, and uh, this might hurt. Um, uh, IRC Maxell's feelings when I talk about this one. <laughs> so, people who are familiar with South Park uh, may know the infamous um, underpants gnome. I'm sure you've heard of this too, right, Ed? Yes, of course. Okay. Whereas, like, plan one is steal the underwear. Uh, part two is a bunch of question marks. Part three is profit. Right. So, I've been thinking about this. 
uh, not the stealing underwear part, but this whole kind of how the underpants gnome process works. Because it's kind of been, uh, it's a joke, right? Step one, have an idea. Step two is the great unknown three thing. And then step three is profit. So this has to do with offering um, advice on the internet via uh, very well-intentioned blog posts. Now, uh, my boy IRC Maxell in there, he has been offering some really awesome um, advice via his blog. Really cool stuff about PHP internals and about yeah. reinventing the wheel, the anti-framework fallacy. Uh, but, bro, there's a problem. <laughs> um, the problem is you're advocating all these things with the caveat, which is absolutely correct, that uh, screwing around with stuff in production is never a good idea. Um, and the, the key is, especially for the reinventing the wheel stuff and rewriting things and trying to do things in a very different way. Mm. I think that stuff is all cool to learn. Uh, on the side when things aren't critical, but when you when it comes time to throw stuff into production where it has to be stable, has to work the way that you need it to, um, you shouldn't be screwing around. And you should be using both techniques and libraries that are proven. I think one of the problems that I see all over the place is that people are treating the only in production thing as if it was the question mark part of the underpants gnome uh, mem that they're like they're convinced. The uh, wonderful things like um, uh, the, uh, what is it? The, um, oh, what's the thing where everybody thinks they're above average? Dunning-Kruger, Dunning-Kruger? Is that what, the Dunning-Kruger effect? I have no idea. That thing. Someone else on here will correct us about it. Anyway. Sure. The Dunning-Kruger effect, uh, Lake Wobegon, where everybody's above average. Most developers are convinced that their skills are actually, if not better, way better than what they really are. And it causes them to take risks to... Uh, re-implement known algorithms poorly, uh, all um, driven by ego, uh, ignorance, and being convinced that they know Dunning-Kruger. Thank you. Um, okay. All those things that that people become convinced that they already know better and don't realize that probably somebody somewhere else has done the thing that they already have done uh, and they just don't know. Because really, if we're going to be honest about this, um, Concepts and algorithms that really change how we uh, lowly web developers do things are extremely rare and don't come around very often. And chances are it's not you who's done it. So this is the thing that I keep that I think is missing is that all this advice is being sprayed out via the fire hose of the Internet. And people are skipping the part where uh, people like um, IRC Maxell say, dude, only do this in production. Don't screw around because they're already convinced that they know better than everybody else that has come along. And so this is the problem that I see. This is the same issue that we face with. There's so many examples of really poorly written PHP code out there, and it's just simply being cut and pasted into production um, applications all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, I don't know... What do you think about what I've been rambling about? Well, I'm just just rambling now. Where am I going with it? It's the idea that, that we have to do more to emphasize that Tried and true matters, and experimentation matters. But the problem is, people are are in the in the thrill of creation, the rush to get things done. They're skipping the whole part where you need to prove that this new thing that you're doing um, really works, rather than just throwing it up into production. Because prototypes have a habit of becoming production all the time. Doesn't matter what the language is. Um, PHP is no more guilty of this than anything else. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, the reinventing the wheel, I look at and go, I mean, I look at reinventing the wheel. I say, man, this is, I I look at it and say it's a waste of time because 
my my own personal experience has taught me that in 999 out of a thousand instances, someone else has already come up with the solution, and that my particular problem is not as unique as my ego is screaming that it is. Oh yeah, I I don't even feel like at this point I have any ego screaming to me that this is a unique problem. I I like I in almost every case I find that somebody has already done this, uh, and there's already code to solve it that is surely better than what I would have written. Um, at least that's how I usually find it. Maybe I probably I think I have the opposite of the effect you're talking about, where I just assume that my skills are worse than they maybe are, but um, I. I, yeah, I pretty consistently find that that's the case. I uh, I don't know if there's anything to do about it because I think people just do that all the time. Like, what was that? There's a website. Um, is it the Daily? What the fuck? Yes. It. And there's always like something where it's, hey, here's some Visual Basic code that I found, and it was just you know, I don't know, redefining false as one and you know i don't know just ridiculous things that that people do and there's just nothing i don't know just people do this all the time i'm not i i don't i don't know what you do other than tell people not to do it like i i i don't know how to solve that problem i think maybe sometimes it helps if i uh i think it helps if you have a very uh if you have a really good um setup of uh or in your community you have a good culture of code reuse and it's easy to get solid packages of code and good libraries and stuff like that so it's sort of that's the thing you do within that the culture of that uh uh language or what have you um i guess i think python does a pretty good job of that but um you know i remember you know when i did stuff in other languages, I don't know, I mess around with Visual Basic a little bit, or this or that, it's next to impossible to find anything like that. So you pretty much write everything from scratch yourself all the time. Um, and I, part of that might be because uh, code sharing is is, is not uh, is not nearly as common in uh, languages that sort of come out of a commercial culture, right? Um, so you're, if you if there isn't sort of a culture of sharing source code, there's you're not going to find lots of good libraries to use, right? Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. That, uh, I think, happens a lot, uh, but I, I'm not sure what to do about it other than just tell people, uh, please use stuff that's good. And, <laughs> and I, But I guess it, there's a, a couple questions. There's like, how do you find stuff that's good? And why do you trust certain things over other things? And, um, you know, stuff of that nature, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm wondering if it's one of these things where it's almost like I'm saying to the community, if you're going to recommend doing things a certain way, be clear about when they apply, when you should be using them. Um, because I mean, okay, I understand there's some, there's some awesome conversations going on in the IRC channel and people are pointing out that the real reason for re for the reinventing the wheel, experimenting, doing things is that you learn how these things actually work and how they're supposed to, um, go together. Right. And I understand there is a lot of value in that. Sometimes you do have to write your own, uh, routing objects, your own uh, mini frameworks, just so you understand how all these things work. So that when it comes time for you to actually implement one, when there's, money and other things involved that you understand what it is that you're doing and what it is you're trying to do. Right. Um, so, I mean, other than just saying over and over again, telling people 
the key is to understand when the prototype is a prototype and when the prototype is good enough for um, production. Because there, there's so many things involved. There's there's personal skill. There's ego. There's uh, I mean, Lord knows I know enough about my ego, uh, screaming at me to do to, screaming at me to do stuff. So it's just I I wanted to bring this up as more um, a cautionary tale about saying, look, you got to understand that it's very tempting to look at your problem and think that it's really super unique and that existing tools cannot either be used or even uh, easily modified in order to use them. And I think that's really a mistake and that people need to really kind of understand that it's the precious snowflake thing I've gone into a zillion times. You're not as unique as you think. Take a clo- take a look around to see if other people in your community have, have tried to solve the same problem and what level of success that they had. So, right. Um, I think, you know, I kind of feel like if when you're coming from PHP, I think sometimes it's a little problematic because I find that the, the easier to find, um, uh, battle tested code a lot of times, uh, tends to be written for, uh, the largest number of users possible. Oh yeah. Hey, you can't type loud on there. That's what's happening. Knocking stuff. Look, I can hear you knocking stuff over. <laughs> it's just me typing. Uh huh. Yep. I can hear it in the microphone. Anyway, basically, you can't do anything around the microphone physical. You're just gonna. Wah, wah. All right. Um. So, uh, what was I saying? Um, I think that's kind of like. I think it's kind of problematic sometimes with 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 PHP code because. I think that you get a, uh, I think you can sometimes get a situation where like really good, like battle tested, uh, 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 you know, well thought of code. Let's say like with Zen framework, right? Tons of tests for it, like lots of really solid code in there. At the same time, I think it tends to be written um, for like a wide like it, it, I think sometimes it also gets it, like because it's written to solve as many problems as possible and to meet as many people's needs as possible. And I'm generalizing. I really shouldn't just say Zen framework. I don't really know that that's the case. Um, but I think that um, sometimes it, you end up with a code that has a lot of say levels of abstraction, um, which I'm not a huge fan of because of that. Because like they're trying to meet the needs of so many different people. Um, or just the code base gets really out of hand. I don't know. Maybe I'm full of it, but that that's one thing I seems like I see in PHP a fair bit, and uh, I think that's kind of problematic uh, with it. I don't know. What do you think? Um, no, I think that's pretty accurate. Like, I feel like, and maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like I am getting less of that in Python than I did in PHP, right? Where it seems like it's easier for me to find somebody who's written, uh, you know, a library that basically does exactly what I want, and it maybe has some features that I'm not touching, but I don't find it that it has a lot of what I would consider unnecessary abstraction or things like that. Now, there's some, there's certainly some examples of code where I felt like it was sort of either over-engineered or just overwrought. Like if you compare like the requests library um which that http uh library like http client library that right, the um, python one yep is there and then if you compare that to like erl lib 2 oh, i think yeah. erl lib 2 
Um, Erlib two reminds me a lot of like the uh, the libraries that I would see in Action Script for like how do you connect to, like when I was doing error development for like how do you connect to like SQL Lite databases and things like that where it it was just I don't know it just felt really over engineered and there I had to call like seventeen different methods to do one thing which was open a URL and get the data right and um, so I think that. It's certainly not the case that you just magically, you know, oh, well, you know, Python's just perfect, and they just do such a better job of that stuff. Well, um, that's not really the case. I, I, I think, and I think there's lots of, you know, rough edges here and there. But my experience so far has been pretty good. Um, uh, I think that uh, I, I, I don't really know about uh you know history of python i can't make a comment on that but um one of the things i really like is uh the guy who developed requests kenneth i'm gonna screw up his last name writes reads yeah i know i know of the gentleman right um he uh i remember i was reading some slides for for a talk he did which was uh where he talked about readability as a feature right and i felt very good about that because i really do think that readability is a feature at least it is for me and uh, uh i really really value that and that was really cool so and i was glad to see people sort of i think that's why requests like his library has gotten so popular is because people found it so much easier to understand and interact with uh than uh than the existing solution Oh, yeah, because I remember uh, when fooling around with uh, some Python stuff and before requests came along and trying to figure out how to use uh, uh, URLlib and URLlib2, I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is just – it doesn't make any sense. It's, you know, looking at it going, I have to do this and do that and do this other thing. I'm like, where's just the two commands that I can just wrap around? Here, right. Give me my object and here's the type of call I want to make and here's the URL and I'm expecting to get back uh, – if not, uh, you know, get back a, a, a dictionary or I get back a tuple or something, just anything that makes better sense than all this other shit that they're making me do. Right. Like, and I kind of had that with, like, Perl's a little bit better, but I still think Perl API, like the, the interface for the curl lib in PHP is real goofy. Uh, but, um, so, and also we couldn't use curl, so I ended up, I was messing around with stream stuff. And, you know, streams do, like, what you want. But it's like the interface for it is really, really goofy, right? Um, at least compared to if you're thinking in terms of, of like HTTP and uh, and then you have to go to the streams interface and like mess around with that in PHP, uh, it's very odd. So that was one of the reasons why I ended up writing that resty.php library. Right. Was because I, it was, I just felt like the, uh, the interface was, you know, for streams was so goofy. And so, like, you just had to write boilerplate around it. Or maybe it's, I mean, boilerplate isn't exactly the right word, but it felt like I had to write, like, a ton of code just to do something that I felt like should have been, like, a one or two liner, where it was just like, get this URL and give me back the result. That's all I want, right? You know, and I didn't think that the, the I, th- I felt like it was too complex. So um, that was kind of my motivation behind that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's the same kind of thing, right? Um, request is sort of the same idea, although it's much better and fully executed than anything I did. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> all the nice stuff, and then just but yeah, I'm done talking now. 
no, that no, that was very uh, that was very eloquent, eloquent and poignant. I think, uh, and yeah, the requesting is. I I I would also point to request as a great um, model to point and say this is a proper way to kind of write code that is uh, wrappers around existing stuff to right. make existing stuff easier to use. Um, yeah. And it seems to me that the that the dude who wrote it is a, a very interesting guy too. I I took a look at his. Uh, little thing that he did for um, um, the setup, you know, the uses this.com thing. Um, and oh, he's, yeah. of course, he's big on minimalism and, and clean code and he works for Heroku and does, does some interesting stuff. Right. Um, and I really think uh, that that is a great example of, of people of how do you, how you solve a problem that lots and lots of people have. I think, you know, and I thought it was kind of cool that I, now I'd, I'd come across a few things like people who are writing logging, like they're writing some kind of wrapper for, what are you doing now? Are you moving around again? Well, dude, I can't sit in one place forever. Well, see, you got that Yeti mic, and now you don't know. Is there like a mute button on that thing? There is. Well, you want me to mute it every time I move you might my chair have a little to bit because I'm fidgety? You might have to because it was like super loud. All right, one sec. All right, keep going. I'll, I'll mute if I have to move. Oh, thank God. Anyway, um, like I saw some guy who, there's like a logging library built into the Python core, right? Um. But apparently it sucks. I haven't really looked at it. I don't know. It probably sucks in the sense that it's hard to use, kind of like Lib too. So I I saw some guy who had written a wrapper for that or written something that does a better job with it. And he specifically cited like requests as an inspiration for it because he wanted something that was readable. Like that readability was a feature, right? And to have a, a simple interface for stuff. And I felt like that, that really appealed to me. So I was glad to see that that kind of was catching on a little bit there. All right. Uh, so uh, so since I suggested uh, the first uh, to any particular topic that you wanted to go over, Ed, because I, I have one more. Not After really. this. I just, okay. Well, let's launch into the last one where I get to pick go. on Cal a little bit because my yeah, please opportunities do. to make fun of him are so reduced these days. That's a great idea. Um, unable to re- reproduce as a bug fix response. We talked about right? this a little bit on Twitter. Did we? Um, I wasn't paying attention to you. Sorry, what? You're breaking up a little bit at my end. I wasn't paying attention to you, so I didn't hear that. Of that, that you were talking about that on Twitter. I don't uh, really. Yeah, I don't really I know, read. I know you don't, you don't even follow me on Twitter anymore. No, you know. right. Uh, so this was, we got into a discussion about the appropriate responses to um, when you're doing bugs. Because uh, I'm trying to think of exactly what uh, Cal originally said, because I don't want to click on my keyboard for fear of offending uh, Ed. So it came down to um, works for me uh, or works on my machine not being an acceptable response when you um, talk about, uh, as when somebody says, I've reported a bug, and you say, well, it works on my machine, and you close it down. And so then I said on Twitter that uh, the inability, you you can't close out a bug, or and to be completely 100% above board about this, you cannot solve, there it is, dear developers and support engineers, works on my machine is not a valid answer to a support ticket. That's what Kelly said. Thank you, Justin. So I said that you cannot solve, and I said it in all caps, a bug if you can't reproduce it. That's true. Right? And then Cal maybe misinterpreted what I said and said that, well, then you get on screen share and you help the person out because, you know, a lost customer or whatever, blah, the customer's all right, even though, even though the customer's always an asshole. Um, yes. you, have to look at, you have to look at this and say, okay, if I can't reproduce the bug, I can't possibly fix it. Now, now I can offer a temporary fix 
for stuff like, okay, you know, if my software messed up and, it, you know, you ordered three of something and you only wanted one, okay, that's cool. I'll refund you for the two and try to fix the problem. But a fix is not the same as solving it. And if, and no matter what problem you're facing, if I, as the developer who is responsible for for finding a solution to the problem, if I cannot reproduce the bug, then I can't possibly fix it. So sometimes unable to reproduce is actually the correct answer. Yes, I think it is sometimes. I, 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 I've certainly had cases where I just think it was either um, it was impossible to reproduce because it was essentially it was it was a problem that I believed was uh, localized to a to a single person's machine, um, or uh, it was just it's just unsolvable, right? Uh, it, with the current you know setup that you have, I think that. There's there's some in between there where there's the uh, situation where you try to where I think you try to put forth a good effort to try to find out um, what the setup is that the person's running so that you have the best chance possible to reproduce their uh, their case. Um, but. Um, you know, we run into that with say uh Gimme Bar because you've got your it's on an you know, it's a website and uh people are certainly not going to screen share with us to fix you know, <laughs> to find because they find some bug with this. Um and it's oftentimes a struggle to figure out exactly why they're having an issue. Um So in the cha- so in the channel Cal says this says, if you are being paid for a service, can't reproduce is not a valid answer unless you accept it won't pay um, as a retort. Uh, and actually, I don't think that's yeah. right. I don't think that's right. I think sometimes you can't. I think sometimes it is totally acceptable to say that, look, I can't reproduce this issue. I don't know what's causing the problem. So, I don't know, maybe closing the bug is not necessarily the issue. Maybe it's one of these things where I believe in the openness thing. You could say to the person, look, thank you for telling us about this bug. At this time, I'm unable to, I I, I don't know what's causing the problem. So, it's going to take us longer than the feedback cycle that they want. Right. Um, You know, I mean, Cal was talking about in his particular instance, it was a WordPress thing and that the other person didn't bother putting forth what Cal felt was an appropriate level of effort. They just right. said, can't reproduce, closed it and moved on. Okay. Now I agree. That's a dick move. Um, yeah. cause I mean, I know that whenever at work or in other things, when somebody's using something I wrote and they're having a problem, I usually say to them, okay, well, can you tell me what you did? And if they can articulate to me what the problem is, then, uh, then it's like, okay, well let's sit down. And in some cases you're right. You can't screen share, but in some cases, if they can tell you what they did, you can go in and look at it and say, Okay, I tried it, was able to reproduce the bug, or I tried doing it your way, and for me, I wasn't able to reproduce the bug. To me, that's not the point where you give up either. Then you just, you know, you keep going. I'm not, I mean, come on, Cal, I'm not saying uh, don't, uh, don't fix bugs for people. That's not, my, that's not what I'm thinking at all. Don't help people. Don't try to get the problem solved. So, you know, I just look at it and say, like, you know, sometimes there will come a point where you're like, I can't reproduce this thing. I've tried to do it all the ways that you've experienced it. And there's just some combination of uh, factors 
where I, I, I can't reproduce it. It could be a browser issue. It could be an yeah. OS issue. It, it could be so many things. And at some point, I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but it's sometimes you have to just cut and say, look, I can't fix this. I yeah, I, I think that... I think the situation... I think it varies. There's a lot of, like... Uh, there's a lot of different criteria here that you can measure whether they've put forth enough effort or not, right? Um, I think that... If you can't reproduce it um, initially, I think that the first thing you would do would be to go back. I would do, especially if it was a paying customer as opposed to not. And we do have a few paying. We have some people who actually pay for Gimme Bar. But it's I am there. I am a paid Gimme Bar customer. Right. So you, you're one of those. Um, so in that you know, in those kind of situations, I think what you have to do is you have to go back and say, can you tell me more about, like, the first, you try to get as much information as you can about, like, what their setup is, like, what their environment is, and could you, can you maybe, dis- a lot of times we don't get enough detail to really reproduce it, like, okay, I, I did this, then I did this, then I did this, then I did this, and magically, you know, the jack-in-the-box popped open, and it told me to go fuck myself, right? And um that uh a lot of times that's not the way we interact with the application like we as the people who develop it and and use it but the way we use it is maybe different they may have different like usage patterns right so it seems to me that uh there's a lot of like like decent effort that has to be put forth to say uh Look, I've made a legitimate attempt at reproducing this based on and by and if I need to get more information, getting that more information and trying to reproduce it, trying the best I can, you know, to duplicate things. And if I can't, you know, you may get to a point where it's like I really can't solve this problem for you. Now, what I'd say is this: um, I would probably tell them that I'd be willing to refund their money if they were unhappy with that, right? Um, uh, I, you know, that can vary a little bit, but uh, I think in general, I would feel bad about if there was, somebody had purchased this, something from me or purchased access to a service or whatever and was not able to use that service, right? In that case, I would feel, I personally would probably feel like they should get their money back. Funded the case, the service, that's fine. Like, I mean, we're limited because we don't have Windows licenses and don't typically test our stuff on Windows. Like, we don't test Gimme Bar on Windows browsers. So um, we are somewhat limited in what we we can do in terms of support for those folks, right? Um, And that's just a choice that we've made in terms of the resources we have. You know what I mean? Um, Now, thankfully, most of the, you know, most of our user base, I think, a, a lot of our user base is uh, is either not running Windows, or if they are running Windows, they're running, say, in Chrome or Firefox, which we have a better chance of being able to test, okay? Like, us, te- we can test those on OS X, and it's going to be pretty close. Like, there might be platform-specific things, but mostly not. Um, but it get it does get problematic if, like, they're using IE. And, uh, like, officially, I think we end up, we try to support them a little bit, but officially, we basically say, we don't really support IE. So, yeah. Um, I wonder if I shouldn't have told everybody that. Well, oh well. Anyway, the point is, I think there's like a good, there's sort of a good faith expectation of, are, is this person going to really put effort into it? And I've run into that where, 
I had some problems with Parallels. You know that software? Uh, Parallels, the company actually makes a few different things. But I yes, par- Parallels desktop for OS X, which lets you run other operating systems uh, in virtual machines, right? Um, and I had some issues with it where it was working okay with some software, like some older games that I had. Uh, and then suddenly it stopped working in the new version where, okay, it, it was pretty, it was pretty clear delineation didn't work or did work now doesn't work. Right. The same software. Right. You know, and, uh, it was really problematic to like get it function. Um, and you know, I hit like a support level where, uh, they were basically like, oh, well we can't, you know, that's just either one they might just say well it's not supported under that os so whatever like it was well this piece of software isn't supposed to run under windows 7 anyway so whatever right well that you know that was i was kind of annoyed because look it ran fine before um uh and actually in this case i think they wanted the i did run to a support guy and he wanted to use some kind of software to like go to my PC or something to basically hijack my machine and yeah and I, I, I was I like never, I never agree to do that no, with uh, I'm tech not, support anywhere that is not going to happen right you are not going to start I don't care if I'm there or not you are not going to start running my machine you know now it might actually be very useful for many people but there's no way to hell I'm going to trust somebody to do that um it, it it realistically may be one of the best, like the the best and eventually only ways they can solve some people's problems. But I sure as hell am not going to let them do that. But uh, anyway, the you know it ended up that I just they put out like the, they had they happened to put out an update that did like fix the problem for me. But it was very you know he was having me do stupid stuff where it was like it wasn't a configuration thing to do. I. I guarantee you what happened was they just made changes because it was a major version change in that software. They went from version 6 to version 7 or whatever it was, 5 to 6, whatever. And they just changed stuff, right? And it didn't work anymore. And they didn't test it on every piece of software, right? So the only way they could have actually reproduced that was if I... I know I told them what software they have, but they're not going to go out and buy that software. So I don't know. Right, I might have been able to get a refund back if I tried hard. I'm not sure. It ended up working okay, but that was that was uh, a uh, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't really relevant because they did sort of try, but they didn't really solve anything. It just they had happened to put out an update that fixed it. So who knows? Anyway, well, that was a cool that was a cool story. So right. no, it is interesting. I mean, also because I look at it too. That yeah, in the in the at the end of the day, if you can't fix a problem for a uh, paying customer and they're not happy, then yeah, give them their money back. Um, right. giving, them, giving them their money back, apologize, say sorry, I can't help you anymore, and you give them their money back. I think um, the thing that sucks more about if somebody kind of passes you off, like, hey, I can't reproduce it, sorry, bro. Well, I think the thing that the 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 thing that's worse for that is um is that it really makes the customer feel disrespected. And I think that's really the problem, right? Um, I can tell the difference between somebody actually reaching out and trying to get information from me and trying to figure out the problem and not, right? And if, if you know, if you file a support request and that's the response you get back, that's a really shitty response, right? Um, 
like not even trying, not like not even really putting any effort into it. And I've had I've had you know, circumstances like that. That really doesn't help you. And I don't know. Maybe you're able to get away with it because your your you know software so popular or what have you. But I got to tell you, I think that putting the time into doing really good support and and putting the time into making them you know the 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 uh, customer feel respected and that you are empathetic uh i think really really pays off and uh i think that's a that's something where if you're if you you have customers you really really need to put the time into uh having some you know having uh uh, somebody out there who is who reacts quickly and empathetically to uh, their situation, uh, and you really try to address their needs. Um, and I th- I think that makes a difference. I think it makes people much more loyal to you as a company or as a business if you do that. Awesome, Ed. That, no, that's really good because uh, that does. I mean, that is raise a good point. People, you know, you're trying to fix a problem for somebody, and really, uh, it it is really all about attitude. And I, I believe in uh, going as far as you can to help somebody out if they're reporting a bug, and just to try to make sure that you understand what's going on, and that they, and you know, you're trying to get the other person know that you're trying to find a way to fix this problem for them that's going to be acceptable to everybody. And yeah, sometimes it won't be. So sometimes the only option is to. Is to fire a customer, but in a nice way. Just say, "Sorry, bro, I can't help you anymore. I just, I, I can't figure out what this problem is for you. So I'm going to give you your money back, and hopefully, you can find what you want somewhere else." Right. Yeah. You know, I think you, I think you have to be willing to do that sometimes. But I think if you put some effort into, uh, how, you know, if you really put effort into helping customer out, I think that there's not going to be a lot of cases like that. And I guess I also feel that. Um, well, one of the things that uh, one of the folks in the IRC uh, brought up, uh, well, a lot of times the developer will put as much time and effort into attempting to reproduce as the customer end user puts into truly documenting the steps taken and environment. I do think that there's lots of cases where, um, or I, I should say, I think there are some cases where you simply can't get through to the customer and they don't really, you just can't communicate like what you need from them to be able to help them. And that happens sometimes, and there's, I don't know, if you put, you just do the best you can, and uh, if you can't, you can't, and it doesn't work out. I will say, though, that I think it's really important to keep in mind that um, there's a good chance that maybe that customer has no idea about, like, how what you're doing uh, you know and how it works and what the, what the things are that you need. So, it's it's important to um, I think in as clear terms as possible and in terms that are going to be understood by non-technical users, uh, explain to them what you need from them. And there might be tools and techniques and different things you can ask and the way you ask things that can contribute to that stuff to make it easier. Um, sometimes that's stuff like automated, you know, system information dumps. Uh, sometimes that's capturing, uh, you know, exceptions and trying, you know, it's, it's like how you log stuff or how you capture debugging information or how you do this or that. I think, I think, uh, I, you know, I think that's going to cat, you're going to catch a lot of customers or at least be able to solve problems faster if you do that stuff. But I think eventually there are going, there's going to be a, a small set of, of, of users, uh, who, you just cannot communicate with them properly. And it might be that if you could get in a room with them and what and sat over their shoulder and watch what they did, 
you'd be able to help them. But if you can't do that, you're just SOL. <laughs> I, I've, I've run into that. I ran into that with Spaz, particularly because that was running on their computers. A lot, sometimes people I just couldn't help because I just did not, I could not, I could not understand what they were trying to tell me. I could tell that they, and I would say I would ask for specific information about how to, like what steps they took, and they could, they just didn't explain it to me. And I, I guess they just didn't understand what I was asking for. And eventually you get to a point where you're like, I can't help, you, right? Um, but I, I think that that's, I think if you put forth good effort and you really work at that stuff, I think you can reduce that to a fairly small percentage. So, yeah. <laughs> and another awesome, awesome uh, point ended up with, <laughs> and yeah. Okay. So we're almost done. Just one more thing I wanted to talk about, Ed. All right. Uh, I wanted to talk about the conference I'm helping put on. Oh, yes, so, yes. Let's hear yeah, about so that. So True North PHP. Um, we're doing it the first weekend of November up here in sunny, beautiful, warm Toronto, Ontario, Canada. So, Ed... I'm, I'm calling you out right now. Are you gonna if if I pay for your flight, you're gonna come up here and so we can do a live dev hell. Oh yeah. What what are the dates again? I wasn't even listening. <laughs> wow, you care that much about what I'm doing? That's awesome. <laughs> yep. November second and third. It's a Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look at that. I think I can. Because Ed, I would love you to come up so we can have you talk and also have we can do a live dev hell. So all the suckers who don't come up here. I think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna preliminarily say I think I might be able to. Awesome. <laughs> you might be able to. I'm gonna. Well, I'll try yeah, to keep right. a slot open for you um, when we're planning things. So yes, PHP centric conference. It has been an extremely, extremely long time. Uh, 2006 at least since there has been a PHP centric conference. Uh, in the greater Toronto area. So myself, along with two of my friends, Peter Meth and um, Jeremy Cook, Peter helps me out to run the um, the greater Toronto area PHP users group, and Jeremy runs the Guelph PHP users group. Guelph is a, a town that's uh, maybe about a half hour away from where I live to the west, not far from the headquarters of the rapidly declining uh, Research in Motion, uh, makers of mm-hmm. BlackBerry and all sorts of other things that are now about 10 years behind. Right. So yes, I would love to have listeners come up um, it's being held at Microsoft's uh, headquarters here in Toronto. Humongous facility, room for uh, up to 300 attendees, three tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to do some interesting stuff and just get people to come up. Uh, and for those who are concerned, November, it's still not cold enough uh, in Toronto to be worried about snow and and uh, getting mauled by uh, polar bears and all that other wonderful stuff. Do you actually have do like polar bears walk through your yard? The closest polar bear I've ever seen is when I've gone to the Metro Toronto Zoo. So no, they don't run through uh, my backyard. Now at the zoo, they actually just let them walk around amongst the people, right? Yeah, pretty much. They're really friendly and tame, and they'll eat right out of your hands. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it is nice. It's a it's a little known secret about the um, uh, Toronto Zoo. The polar bears walk around free. That's super sweet. So uh, so yes, yeah, so I have. Uh, I'm looking forward to the conference, and then just that, re- and then as a reward for doing all the hard work for playing the conference, I get to go to Sweden and talk uh, at a, a humongous web dev conference where I will be the only PHP person talking. So that lets you know what they think about either me or more likely what they think about PHP. Yeah, that shouldn't be awkward. Yeah, it shouldn't be awkward at all. Hello, who here uses PHP? And it'll just be crickets. Yeah, right. Goes. <laughs> and and it'll be like, and it'll also be like, you know. But I hear I hear Sweden's really nice and. Uh, uh, and it's a half-hour train ride to Copenhagen, so I'll be doing the touristy thing when I'm there, too. So I'm looking forward to it. Right. That's awesome. 
Oh, Justin was asking me what conference it is. It's called Oredev, O-R-E-D-E-V, being held in Malmo, Sweden. And I know that my father was telling me that, you know, Sweden's going to be dark and cold that time of year. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be indoors in a brightly lit hotel slash conference center. I don't think how it is outside is going to matter too much. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, my dad's always the practical guy. You'd think it would rub off on me, but clearly not. Well, you know. Well, I think we're all out of time. Anything else you want to talk about, Ed? Or we save it for the next time I want to complain about something that you have no idea how to handle? Yeah, let's save it. We'll uh, we'll talk about it next time. That sounds good. We will. I have, actually, I have a very interesting testing topic I want to discuss um, with you next time. That sounds uh, But anyway, uh, this has been another uh, rousing episode of Development Help Podcast. Uh, thanks again to Engine Yard, uh, fine purveyors of platform as a service, along with the awesome folks, Helgi, David, Amond, Courtney, a whole bunch of other people that I met at PHP Tech, but didn't talk to them enough because I was too busy drinking and arguing with people. Yep. Uh, Orchestrated IO, if you want to run PHP on in a platform as a service environment, I highly, highly recommend checking out, uh, checking out Orchestra. I'm sure they fixed finally whatever problems Foosh was causing them. Uh, so as always, you can find us online at devhell.info. You can find our Twitter account at dev underscore hell. You can you find me, uh, Grumpy Programmer, on Twitter, Grumpy without the U. You can find Ed at Funkatron with the U. As always, thanks very much to our guests who showed up in uh, IRC and uh, gave us some interesting things to talk about. Yeah. Um, Ed, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey.